Welcome back to the show, everybody, and uh, I'm really excited about this episode. So I got to sit down and talk with Hayden Bronenberg from Wyoming, and Hayden is young, but he has so much experience in the outdoors, hunting big game animals all over the place, and I really enjoyed hearing his stories. I think you will too, and hearing about the family hunting heritage that he kind of grew up in. Sounds like both sides of the family um, really just raised up families of hunters. And so uh, after after our call, he actually took me around and showed me the, the room where they've got a lot of their memories in, um, mounts, full body mounts, shoulder mounts, all kinds of stuff, and it was impressive. So I don't know, if he listens to this and feels like sharing that on social media, you guys can check it out, but it was a really good time chatting with him. I do want to share a couple things before we dive into the episode, one of those being that me and my family are currently on vacation here in South Carolina, and we're staying with a, a couple that we know very well, um, actually Weston, he was on a recent podcast, we're staying um, at their property, and so we're hanging out here, we're going to head to Florida tomorrow morning, and um, we left a couple days ago from Missouri, and we woke up at like 5 a.m., and I knew I had to transfer meat from one freezer to another, because the smaller freezer was actually going to get donated to a camp in like Nebraska, I believe. And so I pulled the meat out of that freezer and my wife went to open up the destination freezer that it was going in. And I just hear her say, oh no. Well, that can only mean one thing when you're opening up a freezer. Um, and that's that the power was off to it. So I went, opened up the freezer and I could immediately smell that everything and it was bad. The really sad thing is, and this gives me a pit talking about it, like a pit in my stomach just talking about it right now, that had all of our game meat in it, like all of it. Maybe one pound was in our indoor freezer, but everything else was out in this chest freezer, and it was probably a year's worth of meat. I mean, it had elk in it still, mule deer, um, a couple different whitetails, it had fish, berries, just all kinds of stuff that we hunt or like pick from the outdoors. And oh my gosh, I don't even like talking about it again. Like, I feel like I'm gonna throw up. Um, So we lost, yeah, we lost over a year's worth of game meat. Luckily, I've got other meat that was frozen that I was transferring over. But it's not a ton. I mean, I think we can stretch it and make it last until um, season this year. But yeah, that was a very rough morning. I mean, I've never lost game meat like that, ever. Um, I think there was one time where a deer a deer spoiled, and it's a story for another day, but we were told by law enforcement that we could not go back out in the woods looking for this deer. Um, and so that's the only time that I, I didn't recover a deer that I knew was dead, um, and the meat spoiled, but this was... A different level. I mean, my wife could tell I was upset. I was kind of distraught. And she's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I'm like, you don't understand. Like, not only is that a year's worth of meat, but that's, you know, three animals that didn't have to die. Like, it was pointless to shoot them. It, if I would have known that this was going to happen, I would have never pulled the trigger on any one of the three. But it's something that you just can't, can't predict. It was very odd what had happened. There was kind of like a power strip plugged into an outlet on the wall. 
it wasn't like a corded power strip. It was like a box power strip, if you can imagine that. There were two plugs in it, but we had a really bad thunderstorm a couple days before this. We didn't lose power. Um, it stayed on all night, but we live in a shop house. And so this was just like the freezers were against a garage, that outlet, or I mean against a wall in the garage, that outlet is on that wall. And I think the thunder, like the repeated thunder, just kind of shook that box loose. That's the best I could tell because it didn't fall out completely. It was just tipped forward and lost connection in the outlet. And so we, lo we lost our freezer. Um, David, a guy whose property we live on, he lost his freezer, which had two pigs that we, that we processed a couple weeks ago. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a bad morning, but now we're on vacation. Hopefully I don't have to think about that anymore, at least until I get home. Um, but we're going to have a good rest of our vacation. Hopefully head down to Florida and do some fishing, uh, tomorrow. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Sorry for the downer right up front. On a positive note, Weston and I walked out on his property. He showed me all over the place. We we snuck in on some deer. It's not season. We were just walking, and we, we walked up into this field, and it had just rained, and so we could be really, really quiet, and we got within like 40 yards of these deer in an open field. I mean, they were carefree. But he showed me all around probably 10% of the property that, he he has access to so anyways all that to say i hope you guys enjoy this episode sorry for rambling and let's dive into it like he was doing things that were just badass that was one of the coolest moments of my life i was really scared but knowing that dan had the gun i did have the rifle like we would be okay All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And on the line with me, I've got Hayden Bronnenberg from Wyoming. And Hayden reached out to me on social media. Um, he saw a post about me wanting more people on the show and, and just kind of a diverse group to chat with and get their experience from, hear stories. And he reached out and he's like, hey, I'm 19 years old from Wyoming. I've got a YouTube channel and I've killed 21 or 26 big game animals. And I was like, Oh, dang, man, even if my followers don't like to listen to this, like, I want to hear how he did this, because 26 is an impressive number. So Hayden, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me on here. Yeah. Um, so why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and kind of uh, how you got into hunting maybe to start and uh, we'll go from there. Okay, yeah, like you said, I'm 19 years old, about to be 20. and I've harvested 26 big game animals. Um, it's really been a generational thing for me, passed down from family to family. Um, my grandparents hunted. My dad was a big hunter and he got me into it. Uh, when we were little, we'd always go bird hunting because you're allowed to do that as long as you had hunter safety around eight. And then when I finally turned 12, um, I drew a bull elk tag and then I got a general deer tag and I drew a buck antelope tag. And nice. then we went out with my dad and my grandpa we're able to far harvest my first buck antelope. Um, I'm not going to lie. It took me 12 shots. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> I was pretty nervous, but in Wyoming, it's a lot of open country, so they can't really get away from you very good. So we're yeah. able to go get him, and I was able to put him down. But the first year is what really hooked me in because we did a little bit of archery elk, and we called in 
a little 5.20 yards. And I didn't know the elk could bark at that point. Yeah. So I'm sitting like in a area of Christmas trees about as tall as I am. And this bull comes up out of the timber and looks right at us and just starts barking. And I jumped straight in the air, <laughs> kind of freaked out. So I didn't know like what was going to happen. And like, if you guys never been around elk, they're, they're big. They're about the size of a horse, a little smaller, but they're big animals. So yeah, that, that's where they got me hooked. Man, that's so cool to have, to have dad and grandpa both be into hunting. I mean, that's how I got my start was both my parents, all three of my older sisters, my uncles and cousins everybody hunted and so when you can learn from family that's amazing and now it's kind of cool to help other people get into hunting that maybe didn't grow up with that um, just being able to share it and teach them and maybe that'll start a generational thing for their family yeah for sure it's always cool seeing new hunters go and harvest an animal I know I'm only 19 but I was I'm always dragging my buddies hey let's go get you your deer let's go get you something yeah, that's cool. So I haven't hunted Wyoming at all. What What is it like getting a tag there? Do you have to draw everything or are there over-the-counter tags you can get? Um, so basically, the better areas are draw areas. And then areas closer to town and those are more general. Okay. Um, so we could drive. Well, where I'm sitting right now is actually a general deer area. Okay. Um, outside of town. And so that's pretty cool but most of the better areas are draw and it really varies on what the rate is. Um, kind of like other States are certain animals that are lifetime like mountain goat, but then mountain goats, the only one, but then bighorn sheep and moose are like, you have to have a ton of preference points to draw. Yeah. And bison. That's what, that's what I'm hoping to draw this year. I know my odds are almost nothing, but I finally have enough preference points for Colorado moose and oh, wow. I've been on one moose hunt, a successful moose hunt with a buddy, but he had like 18 points and I'm sitting at four right now. So, uh, I've got to have all my fingers and toes crossed if I'm going to be that lucky. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's pretty sweet. So are you guys primarily hunting public land up there? Um, kind of, and why we have a lot of HMAs, so they're hunter management areas, which is private land that, uh, the landowners allow people to come hunt on and harvest animals that's mostly what we hunt okay very cool and so then what does scouting look like for bull elk for you I know where we were uh in Colorado we were about six hours from the unit that we hunted and so it wasn't like you just go up on the weekend and scout it uh luckily we've had people there that have hunted for probably 10 plus years and so we could always fall back on their knowledge of the previous years but for me, I wasn't able to just get out and scout like that. So are you guys able to do a lot of scouting? Yeah, we're pretty lucky. It's only about an hour and a half to get up right into, you can drive where you can see elk from the road. Um, and it's pretty common. Like if you go right now, I could guarantee if you went in the morning or night, you'd see elk. Nice. There's, there's quite a few. Yeah. So let's talk about your 26 big game animals. What, I mean, What's the breakdown on that? How many are deer versus elk versus something else? Okay, yeah. So it's um, eight bull elk, um, seven buck whitetails, and one buck mule deer, and then eight buck antelope, one mountain lion, and one Texas hot ad. Nice. So, yeah. That's pretty. 
That's pretty cool. And I mean, Wyoming, a lot of people don't realize there's great whitetails in Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty lucky around here um, on the river bottoms. You can find awesome bucks. It's just about being patient because there's quite a few on those river bottoms. So you just got to watch 130s, 140s go by. And I don't know, we have three that between my dad and my brother that have harvested probably around 150, but we've seen um, like a girl in a grade below me killed one recently that was like a 190 inch buck on an HMA. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I can't imagine. That's way bigger than anything I've killed. That's bigger than anything I've seen in the wild. So yeah, I've never seen one either. It was when she, she actually shot on the same day that I shot one and she brought it by and it mine fit inside first. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. 190 inch whitetails, nothing to nothing to joke about. I mean, in any state, you know, people yeah. in Iowa are happy to kill something like that. Oh yeah. It was, it was ridiculous, but <laughs> it was cool. So let's talk about the mountain lion hunt. Cause that is one of the things that and the Audad are two of the animals that I've never hunted. Um, I've never even seen a mountain lion in the wild. We drove past one on the four wheeler and I didn't see it cause I was getting towed behind my buddy, but I've heard mountain lion hunt mountain lion hunting is a ton of fun yeah it's um it's pretty crazy we have quite a few around here um and I have a friend that has dogs so he'll take us out and he likes to get people their first mountain lion so last year took me out and you have to go quite a bit till you cut a track um but I mean you could get it your first day but normally you have to go a few times and we finally cut a nice tom track. We've been cutting females and kittens, a bunch of those. And we finally cut the tom track and we set the dogs loose. And then you just kind of chase them for a while. And I think a lot of people don't understand. They think it's not as much fair chase, but mountain lions have a lot of opportunity to escape. They can go through the cliffs way better than the dogs. We've, I've been on hunts later where we've lost mountain lions, but this hunt, we're lucky enough to we hiked in about four miles. It's some pretty steep terrain, but we finally got to him and it was a big, I think he's a 160 pound Tom. So I got super lucky. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> what, what were you hunting with? I know people do bows or pistols a lot because you're so up close and personal. Were you using one of those or a rifle? No, I just used my 25 out six. Oh, um, nice. That actually my grandpa gave me. So it's an older okay. gun. I like him a lot. So once you guys got up to the tree, then did, did the dog owner like chain all the dogs up and pull them back before you shot or do they stay loose when, when you pull the trigger? Um, for bow hunting, normally they pull them back just cause it takes a little longer for them to die. But with rifle, uh, you just said shoot it. So, okay. It was actually so steep on the one hill that I shot it, that after I shot it, it rolled about 200 yards and just landed in the bottom. Oh jeez! Yeah, but it, it was it was an awesome experience. For and sure. you said you've gone back since. Yep, I've gone while well, he's done hunts with other guys. Uh, this winter, we actually got my friend's dad. He's out of Pennsylvania, and he'd never he never even seen a mountain lion before. And so we went out with him, and we cut uh, a pretty big female. And the thing is, a lot of people don't go after the females. So their population skyrockets, but yeah. my friend, he will. So we went after it and uh, this is actually kind of crazy. He had to crawl into a cave 
with a pistol and like shove toilet paper in his ears. Luckily, there's enough natural light in the cave and then shoot it. And then we had to go in there and pull it out of the cave. But it was like, I don't know, about 15 feet deep. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was that one was cool. I, I crawled in there into the cave and I got about 10 feet in there. I just started throwing rocks at it to make sure it was dead before we grabbed a hold of it. Yeah. It, not line hunting, it's it's crazy. It's always steep country and it's it's always a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Man, that is something I want to do so bad. Uh I've watched the videos and I like hunting behind dogs. I mean I've, I've duck hunted and rabbit hunted last or two years ago, I rabbit hunted behind dogs for the first time and just watching a dog work and like the drive that they have, there's something about it. Like that alone for me seems like it would be fulfilling enough, but then to think you could shoot a 160 pound mountain lion at the tail end of the hunt that, yeah, that's a dream hunt for sure. Yeah, for sure. And the guy that I go with, he just loves watching his dog, watching his dogs work. Like that's, yeah his passion like he doesn't even do them anymore just watch these dogs run that was going to be my next question i heard a lot of guys that run dogs they don't even hunt the lions anymore they'll take other people or i've heard of people also taking like photographers um and they'll just go out and tree cats and take pictures of them and pull the dogs back and leave yeah Um, so that's kind of cool yeah, and I know a lot of guys will have a spare tag in case something goes wrong. Because every once in a while, you get a lion that won't tree. It'll start attacking your dogs or something. You got to do something to get it, get them off. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you can't, you can't really blame the cat for attacking your dogs. But also, you're like, hey, man, just, just climb in the tree and let's not yeah. cause any more trouble than you have to. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. So out of, out of all your hunts, uh, what's been your favorite or like what species do you like to go after the most? Um, probably elk. There's just something about them when you're hunting them in September and they're bugling and running in. It's, it's awesome. The adrenaline you get from it. And the thing is like elk are, they're hard. Like it's not an easy hunt. I'd say antelope is more of a easy hunt in Wyoming, at least just because you kind of drive until you see them and you put a stock on but elk you normally you got to get off the road go find them call them in and they're cool and they come crashing in yeah i've i've been fortunate enough to see them bugling um while hunting but they're never like coming in ready to fight um all the ones that i've been able to harvest and been with others that have harvested it's not like peak of the rut but you'll find those random pockets where the bull is just sounding off all the time. And I look forward to the day when I, when I can go after one with a bow, all my, all my elk hunting to this point has been rifle hunting. I'm going rifle hunting again this year. And then I think next year I'm going to try to do an archery hunt. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be pretty sweet. Cause you know, rifle hunting, I'm still fun getting a bugling and stuff, but just getting in close with that bow or even getting them in close with a rifle is something else yeah so uh tell me a little bit about your texas audad hunt okay yeah so that was last year that one it was pretty fun it's a lot like antelope so they're an invasive species down there right and they're actually have a higher population in the states than they do in africa their native home which is kind of cool yeah you didn't know that um so there are just a ton of them down there uh, cause they mostly just shoot the Rams and then the ewes have babies twice a year. So they're just kind of flooded in them. 
but you just kind of drive around um you find one and then you put a stock on them and that gets pretty hard because texas is just wide open mm-hmm. but your shots usually 200 to 500 yards like whatever you're most comfortable with mine i got lucky i got it in around 100 yards because he was bedded up under a cliff okay but they're they're cool animals they're cool it's cool to go out and shoot a 12 year old ram and just have see and see 70 12 year old rams like it it's insane down there that's wild that's something that i've never even thought about hunting i mean i see randomly like something will pop up of people hunting them but like in my mind it's just not an animal like that i have access to and i've got to change my mindset and realize like anything in the u.s like everyone has an opportunity at some point to hunt you might have to draw a tag but like you can go after these animals so i might have to look into one of those hunts yeah that it's it's a lot of fun especially when you get to go in and stalk them and the open terrain makes it a little harder which is nice like you don't want to just go on there and just get an easy one yeah so it's pretty sweet Work, working for an animal like once you finally put hands on the animal it just makes it so much better like I talk about that all the time I've walked into the deer woods before and had a deer jump out you know 10 yards in front of me and pulled the trigger but it's like when you when you kind of have to suffer for it a little bit you seem it seems more fulfilling more rewarding at the end of it and then obviously it makes for a better story than hey I got out of my truck and pulled the trigger yeah yeah for sure in the moment, like in the moment, you can be like, nice, I shot that elk from, <laughs> I can drive the buggy to it, but the same, something like that. Yeah. What, uh, so you mentioned your 25 out six, what kind of rifle is it? Um, it's a Remington and I, I use that for my first two and then I use it for lions, but I mostly shoot a uh, 300 Remington Ultramag. Okay. It's uh, my dad and my brother and I all shoot those. Nice. Yeah. I, I hunt with a couple guys that shoot 300 ultra mags. Um, I've bounced back and forth. My first year out elk hunting, I had a 338 wind mag. And then um, I got rid of that gun when I moved back to Missouri. But now I've got a 28 Nosler and a 6.5 Creedmoor. Um, but that 300 ultra mag man that thing i mean it's a huge round traveling crazy fast and carries a ton of energy with it yeah (laughs) they're they're nice guns they're straight shooting they are 15 pounds though (laughs) yeah they're they're heavy but it's good to have especially it's it's really open where we elk hunt a lot too so a 400 yard shot's not uncommon so it's nice okay that kind of rifle yeah yeah to have to have a rifle that you can be confident in and i have to i'm trying to prepare all my buddies here for it like hey you've got your rifles all sighted in at 100 yards and some of you have never shot more than 150 yards i was like out there you have to plan for between a three and 500 yard shot you know between the glass and and the rounds and everything that they're using i probably won't have them shoot any farther than that if we do find a bull um you know we'll have to get closer but i mean the last bull I shot out there, I had to shoot at 671 and that's a poke. And yeah. when you're not used to it, I mean, you can stay in an inch circle, even if you're shaking 
at a hundred yards, but when you get out to six seventy one, like you might not even be on the body anymore. Yeah, yeah, you have to hold it really steady. But, uh, that's cool though. So, what is what is your dream hunt then, or your favorite animal? Well, okay, so my my dream hunt and my favorite animal are different, but I've got kind of two dream hunts. One is a uh, Yukon moose with my bow. Uh, yeah. That to me, like getting up into the middle of nowhere in Alaska doing like a fly in float out hunt, you know, just like float down the river, stop and hang out for a day, call for moose and try to get one in real close with a bow. Um, and then I also really want to do a wolf hunt. I've been fascinated with wolves all my life. And I'm like, they're such a cool creature, so majestic, but I also want to hunt one. And people are like, how is that possible? How can you love them and want to shoot them? And I'm like, that's just part of being a hunter. I mean, you understand like as a hunter, I understand my place in the ecosystem and in wildlife management. And so I'm able to do that and not feel guilty about it, you know? Yeah. But I think my favorite animal, like to just hunt right now is white-tailed deer. Uh, I've grown up doing it. Now I've got property that I can kind of manage and track deer, um, I've given them all names. Most of my names for my deer are like food related for some reason, like chopsticks and banana split and all this different stuff. But yeah, there's something about white-tailed deer being able to manage a property for it, being able to track their progress and their growth, see them in velvet, see them once they shed, like all of that is so, it's just really cool to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you should come up here for wolves because we've had quite the experience with them we have a cabin up in the mountains and while we'd work on it all summer we'd run into the wolves every now and then and they're uh they come out of yellowstone but if they come far enough away so there's a trophy zone right out of yellowstone that you have to have a tag for okay. and far enough away it turns into the predator zone so they're just like coyotes oh, so where nice. our cabin is it's like five miles into the predator zone so there's, there's quite a few wolves with a lot of predators and uh We've had some close encounters. I, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I missed one at 40 yards. Oh no. Um, but I had seen it at 10. <laughs> like, I don't, whenever I first tell people this story, they don't believe me, but my buddy filmed the whole thing. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Cause I had gone up after it. We'd seen it from a long ways away. And then I, there's a bunch of cows there. So I'm like, oh, there's not gonna be a wolf here. And then I turned around and it was just standing right behind me. And they're, they're pretty curious around there. Um, since then, the ranchers shot at it a few times too. So I haven't seen it since. We've cut their tracks. But there's, there's quite a few wolves around. They're, they're pretty cool. Nice. So were you going specifically out for wolves or did you just happen to see it and say, like, let's go shoot this? Uh, no, we, so we're building the cabin all summer. And we just always threw a gun in just in case, just in case. And that day I threw a gun in and I only had two rounds <laughs> and I missed both. So, Dang. Well, uh, yeah, man, you just let me know when you need help working on the cabin and I'll come up and I'll be on predator watch. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're crazy. My dad shot one two years ago. Um, okay. All of elk hunting, but they're, they're, they're big. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I follow this guy on YouTube and he I I can't for the life of me remember his channel name, but he goes out. I think he's in Idaho 
and he hunts wolves there and he is crazy successful i think he's got like 13 or 14 on film now and he self-films the whole thing he's had he's had times when he's gone out to a frozen lake and called and had like 11 wolves coming across the lake at him and like he'll shoot three at a time it's wild and i got hooked for sure because he's like yeah you go out and you'll hear him you'll hear him howl like two miles away and you just have to get in there as quick as you can and wait until you hear him again and you just kind of hone in on him then once you get close enough to where they think you can hear or you think that they can hear like a predator call like a rabbit distress or a fawn distress or something like that he's like you just set up and wait for him so i'm all about predator hunting i love coyote hunting that's kind of like my coyote hunting and fishing are like my bridge between the real hunting seasons you know yeah so what so um so you've done multiple big game hunts if you could go anywhere any state any species any weapon what would it be um new mexico i think is it the florida florida mountains ibex uh if i could with my bow but i heard the shots are a hundred yard shot is about as close as you can get so oh, man. i don't think my rifle. but ibex for sure that'd be cool have you have you been on any like uh goat or sheep hunts at all um no but my dad drew bighorn sheep this year so that's nice that's- yeah so we're gonna go this fall i'm debating what i might drop some credits for college this fall because that's gonna yeah be but yeah. yeah that's those once in a lifetime hunts man it's like it's not only once in a lifetime for you but like you may only be able to go on one yeah. if you never draw and that's where that's where i'm at luckily my buddy sean he drew it wasn't back-to-back years it was like a gap in between he drew a Colorado moose and then a Colorado mountain goat this past year. And so I've been able to go on two of those hunts and I'm like, man, this is amazing. I was like, all right. So if I do my math, right, that means in 2022, we're going to be on a bighorn hunt. And then he'll have all three of his, his trophy big game animals under his belt. Jeez, yeah. You should have Sean start buying some lottery tickets. That's I know. <laughs> See, I think he played the system well because he never actually tried to get a license. Both of these, it was his first year actually trying to get the license. But I think with the moose, he had 16 preference points. And with the goat, he had 18. And so he's like, I'm finally going to cash in. I have a decent chance of getting one now. And both times he drew. And so, <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. It was cool, though. Both those both those hunts were a ton of fun. They were completely opposite. The moose was the easiest hunt I've ever been on. And the mountain goat was the hardest hunt I've ever been on. Um, But I think, I think it could have been flipped either way, you know, like we could have got on a mountain goat really quickly and they were, they were interesting because like we had to get up to their level, but they were, it just didn't seem like they were too concerned about predators up in the mountains. You know, there's not many things that'll climb straight up a cliff face to get them. Yeah. Huh. That's yeah. That's crazy. My dad, he's been on quite a few hunts around the world. So he did a mountain goat hunt in Kodiak. And he said that was the main thing is getting up to him. Like you could see the, like the size of the goat changed as they went up. Like the harder you work, the bigger goat you get. That's how it was. But his buddy shot a really nice goat there. That's cool. 
Yeah, I want to, I'll be back in Kodiak this year. We went a couple of years ago for blacktail deer, but we're going back this year and uh, I'm going to try to get a couple or a friend of mine, a blacktail, and then we're going to do a lot of fishing, but oh yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know how it's going to go. Cause we've got a, uh, fly in. It's like a bear viewing trip planned in the middle of our trip. And so we're going to fly in on a float plane, land in the river, right where all the biggest brown bears are. And all the videos from this guy's guide page are like, uh, 2000 pound grizzly at like 15 yards just sitting there eating salmon and they're just sitting here like taking pictures i'm like man i'd have my pistol drawn the whole time just like he could be on top of us if he gets sick of salmon oh yeah i can't imagine that the bears are they're big there yeah that's that's definitely another dream hunt man i want to i want to shoot a kodiak grizzly with my with my bow but Also, I'm kind of scared to death to do that hunt, but <laughs> yeah, I've heard just wherever you shoot them, wh- whichever direction they're facing is where they're going to run. So yeah. Never like straight on. Cause I've gone that <laughs> that's a good point, man. Yeah. I'll just, how do you, how do you make a good, clean, vital shot when they're facing directly away from you? <laughs> that's what I got to <laughs> figure out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Awesome. Um, well, Hey, let's talk about your YouTube channel for a little bit um i know you started a youtube channel you've got a couple episodes up uh what's your plan with that yeah i'm really hoping to push that further and just get better at my videography skills i'm taking a bunch of summer classes um this summer so i can get a little better um my high school film teacher actually used to film for hunting shows so she got me into that because i didn't really want to do the school tv show i wanted to kind of do my own thing and um I put out like a three minute whitetail hunt my first year, but I wanted, I wanted to really do better. So this year I I put out a whitetail hunt, uh, where I shot a whitetail, my brother shot a whitetail that was about 10 minutes long. And then I put out our Texas odd ad one. It's about 15 minutes long, but we shoot three odd ad in it. So that's pretty sweet. Um, Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm trying to look at, I didn't do. So one of the problems that I ran into is I'm, I focus too much on getting the animal and not enough on the film part. So like my elk this year, I came over the ridge and there was a herd of 150 to my left and a herd of 50 right in front of me with a good bull. And I was sitting there messing with the camera, messing with the camera when the wind switched and the cows started to work up the ridge, almost like about to get away. And I just shot the bull looking back I probably would have plenty of time plenty of time to set up the camera but that's my biggest flaw right now is I need to focus on getting more of the film <laughs> yeah yeah I feel like I wish I could have learned about like filming and videography before hunting because then I'd be in that mindset but even this year like I miss I, I shot a turkey a couple two Mondays ago it was opening morning of turkey season I had my camera with me and everything, but when the moment of truth came and I saw these turkeys coming through the field, we were kind of on a path to intersect them. And so I just, I was like, forget the camera, it's time to hunt. And I just like laid it down in the grass and went after them. But same type of deal, looking back, it's like I could have easily set up the tripod, filmed the whole thing and had a cool story and video to share with people. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's hard. Cause like, we love hunting so much that 
in the moment you sacrifice a film for it but I just that's what I mostly need to work on but I'm hoping to put out um just high quality hunts for everybody yeah yeah I mean it's cool that you're taking classes and learning how to do that stuff um just hearing from my buddy he talks about it all the time he's like you have to before the hunt even starts in preparation for the hunt you have to build a story on paper and say like this is what I'm hoping to accomplish these are the shots that I want to get and he's like and every time you're out there you have to be mindful like is this part of my program like is this what I want to film and then you have to just take the time even if it puts the hunt on pause or you know you have to set the tripod up walk 50 yards turn around come back get it and keep going to yeah. me I'm like do I like filming that much <laughs> yeah. this, this ridge looks a little too steep for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly those are yeah. some of the those are some of the best videos though man when you get to see like the real work that's put in uh I've got I still haven't um edited everything but I've got a ton of footage from the mountain goat hunt I mean the kill shot everything I've got it all I've got some crazy steep terrain I mean trout fishing on the rivers up there and seeing ducks at like 11,000 feet on water I'm like this is insane but I've got to just make the time to sit down and edit it yeah yeah and that edit, editing is a lot of it's time consuming but it's it's nice to get a finished product oh yeah so uh before we started recording you started talking about um your grandparents they were both into hunting and they kind of passed that down to your mom and dad and then they passed it down to you can you share a little bit more about all that yeah so I'll start on my dad's side um his grandpa just always went out and wanted to get a dry cow elk they they needed the meat um so every year they'd go out get a dry cow elk and then they'd be fishing hunting doing something that's how they got all their food they wouldn't buy any from the grocery store real quick what by a dry cow elk do you mean like one that's past birthing age uh yeah it's it's normally one that didn't have a calf that year for whatever reason because during the hunting season they still have milk in sometimes if they have a calf so they try to look for a dry elk and I don't know what the science is behind it and sometimes you get one sometimes you don't I think most of it just looking for one that doesn't have a, a calf next to it oh, okay but so they'd always try to do that and then on my mom's side it was kind of the same way my grandpa was a big rancher and he'd just go out and get his meat but then as he got older um and my dad was into trophy hunting too he kind of tell him like his name's Chris like Chris you need to you have this giant ranch here you need to um check out some of the animals and he's he shot he's sold the ranch since then but on the ranch he shot like a double drop time mule deer um a couple 160 inch white tails that was pretty sweet and then he sold the ranch but he knew a spot where elk would hang out behind it and it was uh over the counter tag general and one year he had heard about this bull elk that was back in the country and he went over there and he shot it and it ended up taping out at 422 inches and so it's in the Boone and Crockett books in Wyoming but he's he's pretty proud of that one it it was crazy yeah that's wild man I mean like I was telling you I think my biggest is probably like somewhere between 240 and 260 
And just hauling that rack out was, I mean, I had meat on my back and the head. And I was like, I can't imagine shooting one of these. I've seen or pictures of them where they've got like a five foot spread or almost a six foot spread on them. I mean, they've got so much mass, like it takes both hands to get around. I can't imagine carrying that much awkward weight out. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, and the one thing about it is out in the sagebrush. It's kind of out in the desert where that bull was. So it's where people didn't really expect out to be. Um, so that was cool. But yeah, they're, they're a lot to pack out if you shoot them quite a bit away from the road. We've harvested um, here in Wyoming. Normally you can, in a draw area, you can get a 300, 320. And then if you're lucky that year, I think my biggest is 340. Man. But I'd be plenty happy with that. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I got kind of spoiled because my first bull um, <laughs> ended up being my biggest. So that was pretty cool. But they're, I, they're cool animals. I hear people, a lot of whitetail hunters will be like, I'll only shoot a buck that's bigger than anything I've killed in the past. And I'm like, man, what would you do if you went out and you shot one of these like, 190 inch whitetails right out of the gate like you'd basically be done hunting the odds yeah. of you shooting one bigger than that are slim to none yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of our rule on mounting animals it's all european unless it's bigger than what we have now and but it's pretty cool yeah so, uh why don't you share a little bit about your strategy because it sounds like elk hunting is a big portion of what you've done and you've clearly had success. I mean, eight elk is no joke. Um, so why don't you share some of your strategy? How do you go about um, hunting them? Like you wake up in the morning, you hit the roads on in a truck or side-by-side -side or four-wheeler, and then you go after them once you spot them? Or how do you do that? Uh, yeah, it just, it really depends on the weather conditions um, for what we take out. But we, we're only about an hour and a half out. So we always like to come back and sleep on our beds. And then we get up around depending on the time of year 4 30 and we want to be up there before daylight and then our biggest thing in our family is walk because a lot of people around here especially they'll just drive until they see elk and you can get lucky especially when they're out and you can find them across the road but if you walk for them sometimes like we have a spot that you walk 100 yards and then you can spot elk like it's a really good place to spot elk so be out open away from the roads we still have to go a mile or so to shoot them, but that's not bad at all. But just a lot of people around here don't walk. So just getting out and walking is our biggest strategy, I guess. <laughs> that, that's a good point. And I feel like you're so much more in tune with your surroundings when you're walking than when you're driving. You know, you can do a quick glance out of the window or whatever when you drive. But when you're walking, you're just kind of intentionally looking all over the place as you're going. And I feel like one, your odds of spooking them are probably less. And then two, your odds of spotting them because you're moving so slow and you're seeing more of the country as you go, that probably increases quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. And the, and the animals are smart. They, they can hear a vehicle coming. They'll, they'll get off the road. We've, we've spooked them right, up, right when we started walking off the road, but they didn't care about the vehicle there. But as soon as we got into the timber, there's been elk there. So, yep. They're, there he's got to walk for him <laughs> yeah this the last elk hunt i went on it was the same type of deal um 
the elk in that unit are pretty smart and they know they know where all the four-wheeler tracks are and where people are on side-by-sides but we go down this this road and it dead ends um, at private property but it's all the way along this ridge line and we parked our side-by-side because the night before um, I saw these three bulls on the opposing hillside at like 200 yards and they were all three shooters but I couldn't see what there was so there were three bulls and then a fourth that uh, I don't think was legal bull, but daylight was so low that I couldn't quite tell. And they kept moving past each other in the cedars. And so I was like, man, I had my rifle set up ready to go. And I just couldn't take an ethical shot on the one that I wanted. And so I was like, man, I'm going back there in the morning. Well, everybody at camp, they heard the story. And so they were all like, we're all coming. <laughs> so they all showed up and sure enough, they were there and we didn't see them at first. We actually saw a herd of gosh, over a hundred elk. And so we were working down the ridge to kind of glass those. And I looked back and all of these bulls were 50 yards below the side-by-side. I mean, right underneath us, but they were smart about it because you can't see straight down. Like we couldn't see them. They couldn't see us. They obviously knew we were up there, but until we got around the finger and could look back, we had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, It's cool how smart these animals are. Yeah. That's what makes them fun fun to hunt. Yeah. If it was easy, everybody would do it. And if it was easy, everybody would have success doing it. But it takes a special kind of person to get in after an elk on foot. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm pretty lucky because my dad's hunted the area. So he knows the spots. And then um, my grandpa knows a lot of spots. So I got pretty lucky that way. Nice. Well, hey, um, we're kind of coming up on time here. We've been at it almost an hour. and. Um, I want to give you an opportunity to share your your YouTube channel, your social media platforms. That way people can follow along and check out the content you're putting out. Yeah, thank you. So everything I have is called Young Guns TV on YouTube. It's a capital Y, a capital G, um, spaces in between, and then a capital T and V. Um, Instagram, TikTok, uh, it's all undercase. And then Facebook is just Hayden Bronenberg. Uh, okay. So it's like mostly just family. But um, that's what I have. I'm working on putting out more content. I'm hoping to get spring. Well, we should get spring turkeys tomorrow. We, uh, we've been scouting them for a while. And my buddy's grandpa should get one. So I'll have an episode about that. And then hopefully a spring black bear. And then on to the next hunting season, which should be exciting too. So nice so what's your what's your goal with that this year how many how many videos or episodes do you think you're going to get out um including fall so my dad drew bighorn sheep and he actually drew moose too so he should buy a lot yeah (laughs) so we have that that's all that's come out right now for the draws but if i don't draw anything general deer is a you can usually get a good general deer around here so I'm hoping for, we're going to Texas again. So my dad, my brother and I, I'm hoping for seven hunts out. Um, Mount Lion, we go every year, just depends on who shoots one. So hopefully yeah. we get some more, yeah. I love where I live because you can get these opportunities to do it um, and just be outside. It's awesome. Yeah, man, that's so cool. Well, I hope I hope you have a lot of luck and success 
um, hunting this year. And it sounds like you've got some amazing trips planned. I mean, just the big horn and the moose that alone is going to be one heck of a fall. Yeah. Um, sure. He's like a kid in a candy store right now. He couldn't be happier. But. <laughs> oh, I bet. I remember getting that call from Sean when he drew his moose tag and it was like, I was at his house every chance I could be. We were looking at maps. We were looking at the kill site maps, just trying to figure out our exact plan of attack. We went up in July and scouted for him. I mean, it turned into a whole year process just to get this moose. And so yeah. I say it was the easiest hunt. I think like from the time we actually started hunting to the time he pulled the trigger was the easiest part of the whole thing. All the work leading up to it is what made the work feel like we actually accomplished accomplish something yeah for sure that's awesome well hey i'm gonna give you a final thought i call this uh segment unloading the chamber so if there's anything you want to share any piece of advice a joke anything um i guess just for a piece of advice is just get outside find some green areas and start walking it's great to be outdoors and it's awesome to have people that love the outdoors yeah that's awesome, man. I couldn't have said that better myself. And uh, I really do appreciate you reaching out and thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed chatting with him. Um, I want to get up to Wyoming so bad and see what the hunting is all about up there. I've been on one hunt. I've actually tagged along on one hunt and it was um, unsuccessful in the sense that we didn't bring home any meat, but I definitely want to get up there and actually pursue some animals myself. I especially want to go mountain lion hunting. That sounds unbelievable. So stay tuned. Hopefully in the future we're able to do that. And until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.